Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. We continue our Hey, Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Part one, of course, was on Monday. Go back in your feed and look for that to hear some talk about uh, replacing the quarterback's coach and also some free agency priorities. Lots of good stuff there. Uh, We are going to start today before we get to our questions uh, with the news of the day, the, the really big news of the day, which is the Browns, Mary Kay, making another change Uh, At the coordinator position, Mike Prefer is out. Not entirely unexpected, at least if you go back to the end of the season, but maybe a little surprising it took this long. Uh, So I guess I'll just start by asking, why now with Mike Prefer? Why did it get to, you know, we're recording this on February 21st, and this is the day that the Browns made this decision? Well, because you have to make sure that you have the replacement that you want or be reasonably sure that you have the replacement that you want before you can go firing your special teams coordinator. Uh, We soon came to find out that Kevin Stefanski would like to hire Bubba Ventrone, former Brown safety Bubba Ventrone, former Brown special teams captain. Bubba Ventrone for this job. I actually think he'd be fantastic for this job. High energy, great guy. Players will love playing for him. He understands the position. Guys will want to run through the wall for him. I think he just, he brings uh, exactly what the Browns need in their coaching staff. Someone young, energetic, fired up about things. And uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous hire if they can pull it off. So they must've had some reasonable expectation Uh, that they could get Bubba here before they went ahead and pulled the trigger on, uh, on Mike Prefer. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, You know, the, the Colts have a new head coach in Shane Steichen. He's actually pretty good friends with Kevin Stefanski. Um, But, you know, maybe Shane decided that he wanted to keep Bubba Ventrona. Maybe they're working on, on doing something to keep him around and, you know, adding to his title or giving him a raise or something, whatever the case may be. It seems like at some point today, it reached a critical juncture where, uh, where the Colts maybe were not going to grant that permission for the Browns to interview him. So we'll have to see where that one goes. Very interesting, but that, you know, that's what happens in these 11th hour situations. That's why it took so long. And then I think, you know, anytime I ever wrote about Mike Prefer, I always couched it by saying, you know, at this point, it seems like he's safe, but nothing is written in stone. I think I put it like that a bunch of different times. 
I always knew uh, that if they could find somebody that they wanted to replace him with, somebody that they felt was an upgrade over Preef, that they would do it. And they consider Bubba Ventrone to be that. He's excellent as his at his job. We'll have to see if they can land him. And, you know, you also mentioned on this pod a number of times that some of this stuff was going to wait until this the hiring cycle played out. And this was a long hiring cycle because we had the Cardinals who didn't make their hire until the day after the Super Bowl. So uh, that, that seemed to delay a lot of things, not just for the Browns, but also kind of league wide. So is there anything to read into sort of all the changes that the Browns have made this offseason? Of course, Joe, it started with Joe Woods. Uh, we've seen Jim Schwartz has kind of given guys opportunities to go out and find new jobs of their own. Um, you know, the, instead of just, you know, firing guys as he brings in his own assistants. Now they're going with a new special teams coordinator. Is, is there anything to read into this as far as, you know, it's kind of like now or never for, for Kevin and this staff, like he's got to put together the right staff to go start winning football games now. Yeah, I mean, things change over the years. And three years in, it's not ideal to have to go and overhaul your whole staff, which is basically what he's doing. When you fire two of your coordinators out of three and you lose your quarterback's coach and a couple of other guys, that's an overhaul of your staff. Uh, They've also uh, parted ways with Jeff Howard, the secondary coach, and Chris Kiffin, the defensive line coach. As we mentioned before, those two guys you can rest assured we're probably told, hey, we've got Jim Schwartz in here as the new defensive coordinator. You guys are free to go look elsewhere because those were lateral moves. That's the tip off that that wasn't like, oh, hey, we're going to go get a better job. That was like, okay, you guys go see what you can find. Uh, So that was what that was all about. And then Drew Petzing, you know, obviously he got a promotion. He's going to be calling plays for Jonathan Gannon uh, and for quarterback Kyler Murray in Arizona as soon as he's Uh, healed from his torn ACL. But in addition to the Cardinals, the Browns, um, in addition to the Cardinals waiting until after the Super Bowl to hire their head coach, the Colts did the same thing. And so that's why uh, the Browns really had to kind of wait and find out what Shane Steichen, uh, their new offensive head coach, was going to do with his staff and with, of course, Bubba Ventrone. But I think what it means for the Browns, I don't think it necessarily means that Kevin Stefanski's on the hot seat and, you know, and that he, you know, that this is it, you know, this is the prove it year for him or he's going to be gone. I don't think they're looking at it like that at all. I think it was an opportunity for him uh, to fix some things that were going wrong. And, you know, we've known for a while that there were issues on special teams and that they needed to upgrade with whatever was going on over there. It was just, it was not a good year. It just wasn't a good year for the special teams. Um, You know, there were issues with Cade York. There were issues with trying to recover an onside kick. You know, just a lot of things went wrong that shouldn't have gone wrong. Three blocked field goals. Um, So let's see, you know, let's see what Bubba can do. I think they're going to have to, if he he gets the job, uh, but I think they're going to have to um, supply him with, you know, a couple of guys that he can point to and say, these guys are going to make huge plays for me. Uh, you know, they might have to look a little bit at the return game again, but I don't think this means any big sweeping thing for Kevin Stefanski and his future. Yes, they need to make the playoffs next year. I don't know if we can sit here right now and say in February that if he doesn't make the playoffs next year, that he's gone. I think it's premature to be thinking along those lines. 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably more an indicator. Like when you go seven and ten, you know, a year after, you know, you've had two disappointing years in a row. And even though there's kind of easy excuses, I guess, for for both of those seasons, something's got to give. You can't just keep running it back and running it back in the NFL if you've had disappointing years. And so you've got to make changes. And you know, you're right. It is. It's too early necessarily to put a label on what Kevin has to do next year, but you would have to think if they go six and 11 or seven and 10, again, especially if Deshaun Watson plays a full season, then things do probably get a little dicey uh, for, for everyone involved. If, if he doesn't get fired, he's definitely fully on the hot seat at that point. So um, you, you can't just sit idly by and say, ah, let's, let's run it back. Let's just do it all again because it, you know, it hasn't worked the last two seasons. Right. And everybody knows the importance of this season. Uh, We've said this so many times that, you know, Deshaun Watson is costing $46 million a year. Well, the first fifth of that already went out the window in 2022. So this is the, uh, you know, the second fifth of $46 million a year uh, average salary for him. And the cap number is actually over almost $55 million a year. Uh, That's a lot of money. It impacts every other aspect of your roster. And, you know, you just can't be messing around with that. You've got to be contending for the playoffs when you have that. So, um, you know, we'll have to see what happens. We know that the Haslam's are not patient people. They're trying to be patient, but not making the playoffs two years in a row is certainly not where they want to be. And the reason why they went out and put their fan base and this city through the very controversial acquisition of Deshaun Watson is so that they contend, could contend with the Patrick Mahomes of the world and the Josh Allens and the excellent quarterbacks, the Joe Burrows right here in the AFC North, the Lamar Jacksons, if he's even back in Baltimore. Um, but, you know, they they are not going to be patient about this. I mean, they invested $230 million guaranteed. They gave up three first-round draft picks. And as you mentioned, you know, this is an effort to – raise this team up to elevate everyone's play to bring in a new fresh set of eyes at defensive coordinator a new kind of philosophy and a new energy on special teams and elsewhere so yeah the uh the pressure is really on everybody in 2023 and these other teams aren't getting worse you know i mean there'll be some teams that take a step back but like patrick mahomes is still in kansas city and buffalo is going to be coming back with a with a vengeance after everything that happened last year and, you know, kind of how it ended for them. Cincinnati, we know, even if they end up losing T Higgins, they're going to be good again. The Chargers, the Jaguars, the, I mean, all these teams, it doesn't get easier. You know, the Browns are going to go out and get better this offseason, but so are these other teams. So you have to constantly be moving in this league if, if you want to contend and go win a Super Bowl. Yeah, you really do. Because you know what? The Browns acquisition, acquisition season is coming up. But it's coming up for everyone, right? So all of these teams have the opportunity to go out and add to the pile, add to their talent, and get better. Just because the Browns might end up with a new edge rusher and a new defensive tackle and a new speedy receiver, well, everybody else is going to do those kinds of things as well. I mean, look at the uh, look at what the Chiefs did last year. I mean, they lost Tyreek Hill and went out and signed like five new receivers. So uh, you know, these kinds of things happen. Uh, we, we don't know who's going to add what, but these teams will be very, very aggressive in trying to get better because it's incredibly hard to get to the playoffs 
the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, especially when you've got Patrick Mahomes in the way. Okay, let's take a break here uh, off the news of the day. When we come back, we're going to get into some of those questions that I promised on the Monday pod about Deshaun Watson and some other things here on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. So I mentioned on Monday's pod, we had some Deshaun Watson questions I was going to save. So let's get to it. And we'll start with Jay from Canton. Hey, Mary Kay, if the Browns are going to get back into the playoffs and Super Bowl contention, rank the following in terms of need. So first, Watson returns to form. Second, young existing players fulfill potential. Uh, and third, big splash in the draft and incoming free agents. So again, that's Watson returns to form, young players for full potential, and a big splash in the draft and free agency. Are there's only three? There were did I say there were more? I thought there were four. I might you know what I combined I combined the last two. Oh okay. Uh, he had draft and free agents. So we're gonna oh, okay. I, I just kind of combined those two into one. Okay. So um I actually answered this, I think, for our newsletter today. So I um, I had a little head start on this one. That's why I thought there were four. But uh, okay, so because I have already answered this question, I have an idea of where I want to go with this. Um, I'm going number one, Watson returns to form. I think that's vitally important. I think he's the most important key piece of, of this team in 2023 uh, as Deshaun Watson goes so go the Cleveland Browns so he's got to be good in 2023 for this team uh, to get to where it wants to go number two then I would put adding some free agents because I think in order for Deshaun Watson to be as good as he can be he's going to need a couple other weapons so I'm going out I'm getting him a few more weapons and I think the defense needs a few more weapons I don't think you can count on your number 98 overall pick coming in here and knocking the world over. Uh, that would be your third round of the compensatory pick. I think that you've got to go out and you've got to find, and I know they have a second rounder as well. I'm just saying that I don't think that you can count on, uh, you know, that guy being, you know, the, your world beater. So I think you need to go out in free agency and in the trade market and make a couple of big splashy moves. It doesn't have to be five or six, but you need to make two or three sort of big splashes to get this team to where you want it to go. Uh, so that's number two. Number three is the young players are going to need to step it up because if you have guys like, you know, maybe Perry on Winfrey, David Bell, um, you know, Alex Wright, even Martin Emerson to a certain extent can take his game up another notch. Um, you know, even I would even throw Jordan Elliott, Grant Delpit in there. If all these guys can just pick up their game a little bit, then it's like you've got new players on the roster. Uh, and then after that, then I go draft. And I'm putting draft last because they only have one P 
pick in their first 97 selections, and that is number 42 in the second round. So and, unless they're trading up anytime soon, and that's not going to be easy to do, um, then you, you just really can't count on the draft as being where you're going to get your impact players for 2023. Yeah, so um, I, I mean, I, I call this a Deshaun Watson question because like spoiler alert and listen, we have to do five pods a week and we're going to talk about the off season needs and what this team needs to do to win a Super Bowl all off season. And we're going to make it really interesting, but if we're being completely honest, what this really comes down to is Deshaun Watson. It's kind of all about Deshaun Watson. And that's sort of what you were getting at with your first, I mean, you said Deshaun number one, and then it was building around Deshaun number two with free agents. So I, I mean, it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but it really, it does come down to, does Deshaun Watson look like the player that they gave up three first round picks and $230 million for? Absolutely. And all you need to do is look at the playoffs and look at the Super Bowl to see what it takes to get there. My goodness, how good is Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, look at the way that Joe Burrow played. Look at the way, to a certain extent, Josh Allen played in the lead-up. Uh, look at the way Jalen Hurts played in the Super Bowl. He was tremendous. That's what you need. You need really good elite quarterback play. That's today's football game. That's what you have to have. That's why the Browns are where they're at with Deshaun Watson. Uh, they knew if they wanted to fast-track the system and get to where they wanted to go, they had to make a move like this. Or they could have just gone out and got Geno Smith. But, I mean, who knew that at the time? So, <laughs> but, or Brock Purdy. They could have traded for Brock Purdy. Right. All they had to do is take Brock Purdy in the in the, seven, <laughs> in the sixth round and still letting San Francisco have him in the seventh. Exactly. But, um, so this is, this is what it's all about. It was all about finding their guy, that elusive elite quarterback that they have waited for and looked for and hoped for since this team came back in 1999. They thought Baker Mayfield was that guy. They really thought Baker Mayfield was that guy. He turned out to be not that guy for him, for them. So they had to do something. They had to do something. And for them, it was go big or go home. And that's where they are right now. And now they have to put all their eggs in that basket and do everything they can to maximize Deshaun and get him back to 2020 Deshaun Watson. Right. It's really about how you win, right? I mean, we've seen, obviously it's a different situation uh, because of Deshaun's off-field stuff, but the Cavs decided their roster was ready to win and they went all in and they went and got Donovan Mitchell because in the NBA, you've got to, you've got to have a star. You've got to have a guy that, that can kind of be that, that star that pushes you over the top. And in the NFL, you got to have a quarterback. You got to have a guy that, that can be that guy to push you over the top. Um, and that, and that's what they think Deshaun Watson could be on the field. Okay. A few more Deshaun Watson questions. This comes from Scott Mandel in Los Angeles. Hey, Mary Kay in all the talk this off season about quarterbacks for next year, especially in lists of the best quarterbacks, no one mentions Deshaun Watson. Do they know something we don't? Why does no one include him? You know what? I, I think that, it, you know, it's a recency bias is, is one thing. I mean, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? And he went three and three at the end of last year after coming off the 11 game suspension. Uh, he did not play and you know, he was sacked seven times in the season finale. He wasn't on national television very much at all. 
So, um, you know, so people just don't really remember what the Deshaun Watson of 2020 was all about. And even then they didn't make the playoffs that year. So he hasn't been, you know, that playoff caliber quarterback that we've been seeing, you know, every year go out there and, and tear it up. He hasn't been able to uh, show that he is that guy. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And then, you know, I still think he, it's going to take him a long time, maybe his whole career, uh, you know, to be judged just on football and and not the off the field stuff. I think that people still feel that way about him in many cases. So um, so I think it's, it's those two things together, the recency bias, what have you done for me lately? And then the off the field issues. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, how do you, I think in theory, we can put Deshaun Watson in a certain class, but how do you realistically put him in the same sentences, you know, a Mahomes or an Allen or because he just hasn't played in long in a while. He hasn't played a significant amount of time since 2020. He's got to kind of earn his way back into that class. But I do think the the reality of it is if if I'm ranking quarterbacks and I can avoid talking about Deshaun Watson and everything that comes with it, I, I'm probably going to make that choice. Uh, that's something we can't do, obviously, because he plays for the team we cover. But I think there is an element of if I just don't have to talk about it, I'm not going to until I have to. Um, and so I think that that's part of it, too. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. And then the other thing, and I didn't mention this at the outset, is the fact that I think the Cleveland Browns are still working um, off their sort of dysfunctional reputation, even though this is a functional regime and they made it to the playoffs in 2020, I still think somehow they it always comes back to people don't really buy into the Cleveland Browns. They don't really believe that the Cleveland Browns have turned the corner and, and are doing things the right way and are going to make it to the playoffs consistently and possibly get to a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I think it all, you know, it always seems to come back to, you know, oh, well, it's the Browns. So of course, Baker Mayfield's not going to work out. And of course, you know, he's going to go from making the playoffs to, you know, not winning after that and all those kinds of things. So I think that um, there's part of it is that is the Browns reputation. Yeah, I, I think in, for both for Deshaun Watson and for the Browns, like mm -hmm. a lot of people are kind of in show me mode right now. Like before I before I buy in again, uh, you've got to show me. So another Deshaun question. This comes from Robert in Ponte Vedra, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay. I've heard so many national media members disparage the Browns over the signing of Deshaun Watson. Will the reputational recovery take a generation, as I suspect, or is there a shorter term resurrection possible? Very dramatic I... words in that question from our, from our buddy, Robert. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a Robert always comes through for us. Thank you, Robert. Shout out to Robert. There's so many uh, great texters that that come through for us with great questions all the time. And uh and some of them have great names, and I love hearing the names. Um, who's the one from Chevrolet, Maryland? I love his name. Um, oh my gosh, it's on my my paper here. I gotta <laughs> I gotta find it. Now, now I feel bad because I know <laughs> you know it, and I know it. Yeah, he, he gives us questions all the time. Uh, Paxton, Paxton yes. Styles, Paxton Styles from Chevrolet, Maryland. I mean, that's, that's just. I mean, right? he should Paxton. You should be in a boy band or something. <laughs> like, it's a it's a great name. Um, so yeah, every, you guys come through, uh, with really, really great questions for us and we, we always appreciate it. And as I was thanking you, I forgot what the great question was. <laughs> so, 
So I'll, I'll read it again uh, from Robert Imponte Vidra, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay, I've heard so many national media members disparage the Browns over the signing of Watson. Will the reputational recovery take a generation as I, sus- as I suspect, or is there a shorter term resurrection possible? I think there is a shorter term resurrection possible and it is called winning, 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 winning cures a lot of things. I will tell you what. This is a forgiving town. I've seen a lot now. This is a lot to forgive for a lot of people. A a lot of people, you know, might never forgive Deshaun for what they perceive that he did or what they believe he did. But for the most part, this is, I think, a pretty forgiving town. I think this this fan base forgave Kareem Hunt for the most part uh, for his off-the-field transgressions. so I, I would say that I think if this team makes it to the playoffs next year, gets maybe, you know, to the divisional round or gets even to the AFC championship game, you know, I think that that fans will climb back up on that bandwagon. And I think that they will be all in on the Cleveland Browns. And then I think that you will see the same thing from the national media and it will fan out, you know, from there. And I think that, that the people will climb on board, but you know, people are going to wait. Fans are going to wait. Media is going to wait until they see that this Cleveland Browns team is for real. And that Deshaun is the Deshaun that people remember. Yeah. They're kind of, like I said, they're going to look the other way until they have, until they, you know, have to look at it. Um, right. I, I think in a lot of ways. And, and you're right. I, there are people and I, completely understand that there are people that are just never going to forgive this move and they're never gonna there there's no path for redemption for Deshaun Watson and I I completely understand that and I don't want to like disrespect those people but I think most I think most Browns fans and I think generally what we'll see from a national media perspective is it's going to be this kind of football tunnel vision in a lot of what like as long as nothing else happens as long as all of this stays behind them they're just going to, it's separating the art from the artist, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, And like I said, there's people that are just never going to get over that. And I understand that, but I think most of the people listening to this podcast, most of the people who are watching on Sundays, um, if, if winning and a, a really strong performance follow, I think they'll at least be able to compartmentalize things. And listen, you and I were both at Heinz field last year for that, that regular season finale. And, you know, the, the accusations against Big Ben were in it. It was a different time, but they were still pretty bad and they were really bad. And he got sent off as a hero in Pittsburgh. So this is sort of the reality of how things go in sports. Yes, that's that's very true. I mean, you can name a number of players over the years that have been in that situation. I mean, look at the hero uh, that that Kobe Bryant was right. I mean, you know, you can name a number of players that have sort of similar off the field transgressions that uh, you know that fans have forgiven them for, or at least many fans have forgiven them for. And as you mentioned, there will always be a segment of the fan base that will not forgive him. I know plenty of of people, male and female, last year that when he came back for the last six games. That was it. They were done watching the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, the stadium was still full. 
uh, uh, and there was still plenty of buzz about the Browns. And I would have to think uh, that if, if they make a playoff push next year, that, you know, this town will be painted brown and orange again. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we could go through just a, a long list of <laughs> problematic people for different reasons who are who are celebrated, um, including mm-hmm. people who have played for the. I mean, listen, there is a Jim Brown statue outside of First Energy Stadium. Um, so right. and, and there's certainly not a, a great history there uh, for him. So there's it's, it's really complicated um, and mm-hmm. it's really difficult. But I do think at some point football sort of takes over in most people's minds. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's talk more quarterbacks here. This comes from Carloso in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Hey, Mary Kay relevant to recent pods in which you evaluated success and mainly failures in the Browns draft choices. You thought at the time they were drafted, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson, all of whom were available to the Browns were likely to be better choices than what the Browns decided. So, what do you think it is that you were able to tap into that Brown's talent evaluators were unable to figure out? Well, I think part of it, you know, in, in some cases is the fact that there has been such a lack of continuity in the front office. And sometimes there has been uh, a complete disconnect between the head coach and the personnel department. And that's what happened a couple of years, including the Josh Allen year. Uh, is that they're, you know, they they just weren't on the same page with what they wanted to do necessarily, you know, the head coach and the GM and everyone from from top to bottom. Um, You know, nobody really gave all that much thought to to Josh Allen that year. They just, it was a weird couple of years. And then same thing with the 2017 season, that is when Sashi and Hugh were not on the same page at all in terms of the quarterback situation. And they, you know, they just didn't see in Patrick Mahomes what was there. And they didn't really see in Deshaun Watson what was there either. And that was unfortunate because they could have had, again, as we've talked about many times, Miles Garrett and Deshaun Watson that year, or Miles Garrett and Patrick Mahomes that year. It would have been easy to do. Um, now, when I think about it, though, were the, would they have been ready for one of those elite quarterbacks at that time? I don't think so. Patrick Mahomes, when you see him talk about uh, Andy Reid and how grateful he is that he landed with Andy Reid and the two of them together, what they've been able to accomplish, I mean, it it's amazing to see what those guys can do together. And that certainly wasn't going to be happening here, uh, you know, in those years where where this team just wasn't really all on the same page from top to bottom and ready to support a quarterback like that. So everything kind of happens for a reason. Now they're ready for a Deshaun Watson. They weren't even ready for a Deshaun Watson that year either. So, um, you know, so maybe, you know, maybe it all worked out. Okay. Maybe it will work out. Okay. If they have sustained success, but I don't know. I, I tried to think outside of the box, like with a player like Josh Allen, I didn't come to that conclusion easily at all that he was my number one quarterback that year in 2018 I the process included um watching his tape from college as much as I could find um it wasn't beautiful but you know you saw some things there you saw the arm you saw the mobility you saw the size and all of that stuff going to the senior ball and watching him like really up close and personal there, really watching him 
watching and seeing that the first day he was just, he couldn't hit the ocean from the beach and then seeing how he pulled it together after that. But then it was more than that. It was watching how he interacted with people, with his teammates, with coaches, with the media, and seeing that he was light years ahead of Baker Mayfield in terms of all of those intangibles. All of those intangibles were so much better than what you saw in Baker Mayfield at that senior ball. And then um, while I was there, I talked to as many experts and quarterback sort of expert people and personnel people that I know and could think of to kind of get some insight into him and what they thought of him. And, you know, there are a couple of people in particular that I really like to talk to uh, when it comes to quarterback evaluations. And I kept hearing the same thing. Like one, one personnel guy kept saying, I know John Dorsey's going to make the right choice. He's going to make the right choice. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in this draft. He's not going to screw this up. He's going to get this right. Um, so there was that. And then I talked to some of Josh Allen. Oh, his quarterback guru. I talked to his um, Jordan Palmer, his quarterback's coach, and I kept asking him over and over and over again. So can you take, I asked this question to so many people, can you take an inaccurate college quarterback and turn him into a accurate college quarterback? Now, a lot of offensive coordinators said, no, you cannot do that. You can't teach accuracy. But yet Jordan Palmer kept on saying, it's already done. We did it. We fixed it. And it's only going to get better. So it was the, it was, you know, these kinds of things. And, you know, I just don't know if, um, I don't know if, if they, I don't know if they put that amount of time into Josh Allen the way that I did. And it felt like, you know, you, you said something interesting about them maybe not being ready for a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson. It felt like they leaned a little bit too much on that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they had the one in 15 season and you know, look, they clearly wanted nothing to do with uh, Carson Wentz at number two. Uh, maybe, maybe they wanted nothing to do with Jared Goff. I don't know. But by that, by year two, it should have been like, hey, one of these quarterbacks, like they just sort of transcend, like, are we ready or not? Like, it doesn't matter because Patrick Mahomes has this generational arm talent. And we watched Deshaun Watson beat Alabama when Alabama was unbeatable. I know that doesn't mean everything, but you know, when you watched him, you saw what, what he was capable of, of doing. And it, it felt like maybe they leaned a little bit too much on like, well, the roster's not quite ready yet. And some, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like if the roster's not ready, it doesn't matter if a Patrick Mahomes and that type of talent is available to you. Yeah. And the other thing is too, Dan, with a player like Patrick Mahomes, there were a lot of teams in the NFL that did not know what to make of him, you know, coming out of their that air raid and the way that he played. Uh, but what, what the Kansas city chiefs did was they just evaluated the player. Uh, you know, they kind of put the blinders on and really just evaluated the skill set of the player and looked at what they thought they could do with the, you know, with the running ability and with the arm talent, which was exceptional even back then. I mean, you could see, that although it needed some refinement, uh, that he had the ability to make the no-look throws and the sidearm passes and, uh, you know, do all the things that that he was able to do with, um, you know, with his arm like that. So, um, you know, they saw that in him and, um, and they did whatever it took to go up and get him. And, you know, I've told the story to you so many times and I always think about it when he goes to the Super Bowl is... You know, his agent, Chris Cabot, you know, was looking for somebody to give 
him a little pub at the Super Bowl and asked me if I wanted to do a one-on-one with him. And and now I'm thinking, Dan, did I, did all of our videolicious videos like disappear? I I don't know. Um, there's some videos, yeah, and I think there's some videos I've tried to find from even like way before then. I think they're gone. Um, yeah. So yeah, we had a, little, a pl- we had a, a little Cleveland.com inside baseball there, but yeah, the uh, the videolicious. <laughs> it was like this mobile video platform. You could upload it right to to whatever yeah. channel we were using. And I loved doing my little video licious videos. And I was so happy to like produce them and get them out there and put little captions in there and everything. And now I think they're all gone. And I think I'm pretty sure I deleted that Patrick Mahomes video off of my phone. Cause I'm like, Oh, well I have it now immortalized in a video licious video, which I thought <laughs> was like up on YouTube or something. And, uh, and I think it's completely gone. And I was so proud of that, but, um, well, it, it- Advice to young journalists, uh, save, get, get yourself a Google drive or whatever, save all your stuff. Don't rely on, don't rely on, uh, your, your company's cloud or whatever servers or whatever to last forever. Make sure that, yeah, just make sure you save all that stuff somewhere. I know I I have so many of those. I have got so many of those kinds of videos that I think are just completely missing now. But, um, but I think that was it. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, you get, sort of stuck in your ways or you get a guy in your head like John Dorsey had Baker Mayfield in his head so much so that he had no eyes for anyone else so he didn't really give Josh Allen the time of day and he missed what was right there in front of him and Josh could go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and you can't make a mistake like that you just I mean you just can't when you have the number one pick yeah I mean if it if it weren't for Patrick Mahomes we'd probably be talking a lot about Josh Allen right now i mean he was and he was that close to beating Mahomes, you know a couple afc championship or not championship divisional rounds ago 13 seconds away he did everything he needed to do to win yes. that game so and i don't think we've heard the the last of of josh allen pushing Mahomes and pushing burrow to try yeah. and win the afc which of course goes all the way back to where we started this segment that's why you do everything you you did to get to sean watson because you've just you've got to be able to hang with this group of quarterbacks and we haven't even mentioned Justin Herbert and you know, if Trevor Lawrence keeps developing and Tua, Tua, you know, what if, what if Bryce Young's really good and Houston just reloads in like two years, (laughs) you just, you never know what's going to happen in this league. Crazy things can happen and teams rise and fall. But if you have that quarterback, that's your ceiling. Yeah. And what, I mean, what if Aaron Rodgers ends up, you know, in Baltimore or something or somewhere, you know, in the AFC as well. So then that makes it even that much harder uh, to get to the AFC championship game. It's, it's going to be, or get out of it. Uh, It's, it's going to be very, very tough for the Browns to accomplish their goals. They're going to have to have all of their ducks in a row and everything they can possibly get. Okay. That will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Another Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. We mentioned those were from our football insider subscribers. I'll also give a little shout out here. Um, we haven't always used his questions, but he's a regular and, and he reached out to me yesterday. Who knows? Maybe we'll run into him uh, next week. Bill in Indianapolis. Uh, he's one of our regulars as well. And uh, he he sent me a text yesterday saying hello when I mentioned we would be heading to Indianapolis next week for the combine. So uh, hello, Bill. Um, if you want to be a football insider, subscribe to cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And also subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and find us on YouTube. Uh, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube and you'll find our channel. Get subscribed to that. A lot to subscribe to, but I promise it's all worth it. Uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.